Welcome to the Yin and Young podcast. I'm here with Avon. Vaughn, you want to do your intro? Hey, how's it going? This is also the Vaughn Cast show along with the Yin and Young podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how's it going? Going well. Thank yeah. you for the invite. I've been a fan of your guys' podcast. I've been listening for a while. Really? I liked... Uh, Damn, we have a fan. I liked your guys. <laughs> I, I thoroughly listened to your episode last week. I was uh, doing retail closing and I heard his uh, recollection of his encounter with this Japanese woman in Taiwan. I told, I remember you talking Shout out to that Japanese woman. You were talking about like um, parenting and just like how the Chinese affection from like parents to, to kid is a little different, a little tougher. Uh, your review for uh, Solo, not a good review, <laughs> I, I figured. Um, how y'all enjoyed Civil War. And now you all enjoy oh, Infinity the, War, yeah. Infinity War. Because it was made by the same people, right? It's the same brothers. Yeah, same yeah. brothers. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I really like the, the flow of the podcast. I, you know, I like listening to it. So, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dan, do you have any <laughs> comments? Uh, no, it's actually kind of cool. I didn't, I've never actually met too many people who listen to our, our podcast. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to do a quick intro, Dan. Uh, let's see. I didn't really rehearse this, but whatever. <laughs> okay, uh, no, not today. No, I'm not feeling it. Yo, I'm here with Vaughn. Gonna have a lot of fun. And I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Cause you know we He's the creative one of the two. Oh well, both of y'all are creative. You're both we're, you're creative in your own way, Dan. Oh, um, so so format-wise, it's kind of interesting because Vaughn has some questions for us. We got questions for Vaughn, and basically this is gonna be a double release, first time ever in Yin and Yang Vaughn mm-hmm. Cast history. Yeah, I think same, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I think I don't know, Dan. I think maybe we just do a back and forth and just see how it flows. You know, kind of like sparring. Sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll just go from there. Yeah, I'm Vaughn. Uh, since you're the guest, I I like for you to go first. Sure. Like any, any anything you want to talk about real quick. Off the uh, sure. I guess y'all could introduce yourselves about what you do and uh, who you are. 
Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm um, so unprofessional. I mean, um, Dan, um, go first. Why, why don't I go first while you finish swallowing or chewing? Yeah, go ahead. So I am working as an independent contractor for a small tech company. Um, I used to be, they were located in San Diego, but right now I'm working remotely from LA because I told them I was moving back to LA. What else do I do? Uh, pretty old, uh, just getting older every day. Used to do more martial arts and knees are giving out, so I don't do as much martial arts. Father of two kids, wife is uh, an actor and also teaches acting. Cool. It's pretty, yeah. Uh, what type of martial arts do you do? Curious. I started doing Choi Foot when I was 17 and became an instructor. And I, I've, you know, I continue doing Choi Foot. I do some Yang style Tai Chi with some push hands. I know two or three forms, three forms. Um, the short form, the 40, and the, the short Tai Chi set, or Tai Chi Gim set. But most of my, my Main focus is definitely Choli Phut, mm-hmm. which is a southern kung fu system. It's not as well known uh, outside of Hong Kong, but San Diego has like seven or eight schools. So it's the main kung fu school down in San Diego. One thing we might do. Oh, sorry, Dan. Technical. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I might, I might sync the sound later. Okay. And I yeah. can send you that file maybe, awesome. and then you have to sync it to the your video or something like that. Okay. Or I can I, like. Because I know how to edit all this stuff. So, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So then that way you can probably still like keep it like that. And mm-hmm. oh, okay. Introduction myself. Um, since we're, we just got off martial arts. Uh, well, first off, I, I'm the son of Taiwanese immigrants. Okay. Uh, my my parents came over like in the seventies and um, late seventies. And. But I was born in the 80s um, in Milpitas. Okay. Oh, actually, I was born in, uh, in the Bay Area. Next, I was born um, uh, close to Milpitas, and then, but I grew up in Milpitas. All right. And uh, you're from the Bay, right? So mm-hmm. you know where, so the South Bay. And um, I went to middle school, high school there. A um, lot of fond memories. And then from there, I went, uh, I started doing karate there. Mm-hmm. And um, I also started getting into like film, maybe like I did some high school acting. Mm-hmm. I got into acting in high school, I did some plays there. And in college, I went to UC uh, San Diego. Okay. And then I went there for my undergrad and I did um, econ and, uh, and um, uh, I did a minor in theater, which is how I met uh, Dan's wife actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically from there, um, from there, we I did some more acting. I wanted to do some more filmmaking, but then after that, I went. I left. Um, I left UC San Diego, and I went to Taiwan because I wanted to live abroad, you know. Right. And I lived over in Taiwan for about two years, studying Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from there, I also I still also studied some martial arts there as well. And uh, from there, uh, I. Long story short, after that I did some film producing. I also I lived in Australia for a year after wow. college, okay. after Taiwan, and then um, after that uh, went back to the states. I uh, started w- taking like community college classes in film, something I want to get into. Eventually, mm-hmm. I went to grad school for screenwriting, and then that's how like I guess eventually we, we met up mm-hmm. uh, through a mutual friend and. Uh, and now uh, we graduated the same year. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. so Vaughn graduated from CSUN as well, Dan. Um, and 
I graduated, yeah, we, we both graduated in 2017. Mm -hmm. um, and I graduated with uh, a master's in screenwriting. And now I've been kind of like just doing work and stuff. Like um, right now I'm doing kind of like social media marketing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and doing that. But on the side, I'm doing the podcasting. Mm -hmm. And I also do some short filmmaking as well, like editing, stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, cool. and writing, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Vaughn, uh, let's see. Vaughn, Vaughn, who are you? I am Vaughn, uh, also a son of uh, Filipino immigrants. Okay. I uh, was born in the late 80s, born in 87. Uh, my parents came here, I actually stayed in the Philippines for the first seven years of my life. They were doing their thing here. And I stayed with my, um, my, dad's, uh, my dad's dad's late sisters. Wait, so you were born? In the Philippines. In the Philippines, okay. Lived there for seven years. Okay. And then I came here. My grandpa uh, took me, uh, brought me over here. Lived in LA for a little bit, but then mainly lived in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. uh, moved around from Burlingame, Napa to um, Walnut Creek area. Okay, so your first memories of America are in the Bay Area. Yeah, I mean, I, I lived in LA for like about a few weeks, but then. It, my actual going to school and everything, yeah, was in the Bay. Okay, all right. Um, I didn't have an issue with English. Uh, everyone, like, I was put in ESL just because I guess it's what you do. Yeah. As for, for students who just came from the Philippines, but Philippines are, uh, they really teach you uh, English pretty well. So I came here with no accent, nothing. They're like, this guy doesn't need to be in ESL. He just speaks English. Right. But it was a de definitely a culture shock just because you go from... Um, you see, only no Filipino people to you see different cultures. I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, a white area. Oh, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. But there's definitely diversity, but it was definitely my first exposure to, you know, white people, Latino <laughs> people, African Americans, Chinese, other Asians. But I think I adapted pretty well, you know. Um, but over time, unfortunately, I lost how to speak Tagalog and oh. over time. So did that. Came to school here at CSUN. When I was uh, 18, out of high school, I'm like, I'm moving because I have family here. Okay. Um, so your, fa your, your immediate family is still in the Bay? Just what? my dad and my stepmom. But okay. everyone else is down here. Okay, okay. And then, is your uh, mom down here? Or? Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. So with that, went to school, took some breaks, and I'm here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm curious then, like going off of that, mm -hmm. um, this idea of home, right? Yeah. They talk about home. Like, what do you call home, I guess? Uh, let's see. Home to me is just like, I don't know. Home is like, some people say home is where the heart is. Okay. But to me, home is just like where I stay right now. I rent this home room. Home is where the heart is. <laughs> <laughs> I rent out this room in North Hills. To me, that's like home for me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's cool to like go home, home to like the bay sometimes, but I just like, I like my alone self-care time for the most part. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Dan, any questions? Do you do any martial arts? He asked me that too. <laughs> I, you know, back then in third grade, I remember I, I visited Hawaii with family. I took a Okinawa Kempo. Okay. All right. Um, which is a form of karate, I believe. Yeah. Um, oh, well, I mean, Kempo, Dan, Kempo and karate are very, they're, they're like the similar, right? Or like. Well, there are different types of karate, right? Like, you know, Shotokan, there's Goju-ryu, there's, um, there's all those other offshoots of karate. 
Yeah. And then, you know, Kyokushin. Kenpo is basically means um, boxing. You know, Ken is like uh, the type of martial art, I guess. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, Kenpo. Okay, yeah. So I did that, and I also took kickboxing the year after in um, Hawaii. I got pretty fit, man. I, I remember what killed me was the 20-minute uh, jump rope warm-ups. Damn. Oh, All right. yeah, that, that would do it. Yeah, so that's, that, that's how kickboxing always started. And then um, towards like the few weeks of before I graduated CSUN, I got a membership at UFC. I tried out Muay Thai, um, ran out of money. But uh, <laughs> it was very rigorous, once again, the jump ropes. Was like always my thing, cardio. I mean, I I did running in um, high school, but jump rope was tough. And I guess like it's it's hard to like keep kicking like with your shins and like conditioning them and like punches. But yeah, if I have the money or just the effort or the energy and time, I definitely want to try it again because it's such a good stress reliever and it's also good to uh, you you learn self defense essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, wait, sidebar. Um, yeah, going back to like uh, Filipinos knowing their English, like, I'm, I was trying to chat up this girl on Instagram. She's, like, lives in the Philippines. <laughs> and, like, because she, she wrote something about, um, she wrote something that, like, I really connected with, like, something about her family. Yeah. I was like, oh, dude, I really like the article. And, and, like, you know, Damn. and she looked, you know, she looked kind of cute, too. You know, like, this, you know, come on. Yeah, I, I know you like, know, it's like. I feel you. Yeah. I it's like, uh, you know, like, can we comment? Is, is it okay to comment on women's yeah, that's beauty? Cool. Like, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, anyways. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I was just, like, chatting her up. And, dude, like, her English is, like, like, like basically native. So, I was just like, dude, like, damn, Filipino, Fil- the Filipino. The Filipino education system in English is like on point, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I, I would say that um, outside of the U.S., Filipinos are the most assimilated to U.S. culture just because of the Western presence. Since right, World War the II. war, yeah, yeah. Going back, so let's take it back. Uh, what, what, so this, this section, I want to call the biography section. Okay. Um, what, what I kind of want to get is a little bit about Vaughn. Uh, your biography a little bit kind of like the questions that you sent me about right. about your kind of upbringing yeah um, and your your I guess how it led you to like your passions which mm. are hip-hop and podcasting it yes. seems right now so yeah. let's start off so you were in the Philippines yeah. now in the Philippines um, from zero to seven I guess huh mm-hmm. now at that point and you're the only child yes um, were there inklings there in um, and let me know if this gets too personal, no, but like, uh, but like, so you grew up with your mom and your dad. They were together at that point. They were, yeah, but I didn't live with them. They were, they were here in America. Oh, okay. so I didn't know them for the first seven years of my life, essentially. Damn. Yeah. So there is that disconnect. I mean, I don't remember much in the Philippines at all. It's weird from zero to seven. I don't remember much till I got here. Wow. But um, I mean, like, it was it was cool. Like, I mean, I didn't complain. I had friends and everything. I don't remember anything too traumatic in the Philippines, but. When I got here, they told me they were divorced, but I didn't know them like that, so like it didn't bother me. They kept saying, it's not your fault. I'm like, dude, I just met you guys. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, so to me, it was like, okay, that's fine. You know, I had a white stepmom. She was cool. But um, so with that, I think kind of fast forward now, I don't, I've never really had that connection with my parents um, as like maybe other people did because I guess in the first founding years, your first few years, foundation years, yeah, I didn't know them. So like, I, I don't know. I mean, we're cool. I respect my parents. They're great. It's just, I don't have that intimate bond with them. Cause those first seven years, 
So you were raised by uh, my um, my grand my grandmother no my grandfather's uh, sisters, but they passed away. One passed away. So you were like real close with them, yeah. I think so, yeah. So your your great aunts, I yeah, guess. Great aunts. So yeah. that's that was pretty much it, and then um, you know school was fine. Let's see, I was a I was a decent student. I wasn't great, you know. I, I was like, elementary in elementary. Philippines or oh, or, oh in, here or here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Elementary, I, I did all right. I was never good at math. Okay. Yeah, big debunking the Asian stereotype. <laughs> I was good at English and writing. Oh, nice. Um, okay. Let's see how I let. Let me let me yeah. check in with Dan. Dan, sound okay so far? Dan. Yeah, sound is much better. Awesome. Okay, great, awesome. All right, yeah. So sorry. So English, you found out at a young age, like eight, nine, that that was more of your stronger suit. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, not, no, no offense to people who are like, good at math. That's, that's all good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. And then um, fast forward to that. I moved around. It was just tough moving because you meet certain friends and they have to move, move again. So that was kind of tough. But um, I think in middle school, towards the end of middle school is when I discovered hip hop. A relative of mine said, hey, maybe you should try rapping because you rap the songs on, uh, on the radio. Okay. And I... I tried it and then I kept at it you know and 16 years later you know I developed a skill for it took some breaks here and there yeah but uh yeah man I mean so you've been rapping since 2001 2002 2001 2002 how old were you then like uh I was probably like I don't remember man yeah yeah it was it was a while back was it so high school you would say like yeah I got into around then that's when like 8 Mile came out and stuff oh 8 Mile shout out to 8 Mile (laughs) but um so yeah with hip hop mom's spaghetti yeah yeah that's how I got into that I just love like being able to express yourself in that nature being able to express yourself with like with rhymes and I just fell in love with the culture um I didn't have too many friends in high school for the first few years because once again I moved from middle school to high school kind of thing oh a different place so I listened to music as like as to like kind of get by kind of thing this is all in the bay or yeah in the okay bay. in the yeah. bay so you moved around from middle school to high school to a different part of the bay yeah okay mm-hmm. got you yeah yeah and then um yeah you know and uh i was in a couple rap groups in you know throughout that time period one here one in norcal but uh it, it was it stopped for me when um both of them kind of disbanded and i came to college i didn't know anyone who made music technology we have in front of us wasn't available oh yeah yeah so i just took kind of a break from like writing so i just kind of focused on college and like, mm. school life and just social life and then uh yeah that's that's pretty much or should i just go keep going for i mean so so something that i'm always curious about is like um like so eight, eight mile like what were the works or the people it doesn't even have to be famous people, maybe your teacher or something that really said, oh shit, you you know, turned you on into a rap game or turned you to cre- creative writing or anything oh, like that. Because for me, like, mm-hmm. um, I know, like, I was, I was always kind of like a wild kid. Like, I was always kind of like, 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 yeah. di- like energetic. I, energetic, you know, I remember I went to Taiwanese camp and I'd like dance all crazy on the dance floor. I calmed down a bit eventually, but like, um, and, uh, I think it was probably in high school. I want to say, I mean, I always liked like cartoons and stuff. And like, I remember my dad was trying to like, I know I, I forget. I might've been like 
eight or something like that, really young, and he's trying to cut my hair. Mm-hmm. And but there was like, the Wizard of Oz was on TV, and I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. And I kept trying to get out of my scene, trying to watch Wizard of Oz between, you know. And my dad's like, dude, stay still, right? And he got mad at me. Um, but that Wizard of Oz, when I saw it as a kid, I was like, what the hell's going on? This is like magic, right? And then, um, but then I think what really got me in the filmmaking was, uh, we talked about this, was like Evangelion, right? Mm-hmm. When I saw like that anime, that I was like, dude, I didn't know, this is crazy. Like, I, it's like really intricate story, uh, story and character arcs. And then um, another film for me was uh, Edward Yang's EE. It's a Taiwanese film about a Taiwanese family growing up. Uh, basically all these uh, parallel stories of the father, the daughter, the son, and the wife, mm-hmm. and basically how their stories interconnect. And they, they're each going on their own path, you know? So like, was there works like that or like people? Also in high school, I had some really awesome teachers. Like I had a philosophy teacher, Mr. Hanley was really, like really awesome. Like opened my mind about different ways of thinking. And then Mr. Colburn about like writing and stuff like that, and music, yeah. Um, I guess for me at the time, it was like the Nas, Jay-Z, Biggie, a lot of East Coast hip hop for me. I never resonated too much with West Coast too much. I mean, I love the music, but to me, I like the East Coast kind of hip hop in the ni- mid '90s or late '90s, early 2000s. Okay. And then going to underground rap, such as we mentioned, Atmosphere. Yeah. So around th- that kind of music, uh, really got me into it. Um, I was super into like the lyrical, heavy, dense kind of music, and now I've, it's totally opposite. I like the more fun type of music okay you know just because making music like that for me it i mean i liked it but i just never feel like i had fun i always have to compete oh what can i say they'll be so much more clever you know but now it's more like like the energy the vibe i have fun recording i laugh i have smile when i record before it was super serious oh for real yeah okay yeah yeah Yeah. so so with that there's that and then um let's see that's how i got into hip-hop um yeah. So like a p- big artist for you, like if you were say, at that time, I'm that not time, saying now, at that time, like, oh, like was it Jay-Z, Jay-Z Nas? Jay-Z, Nas, Eminem. Eminem, okay. Uh, like those are just like the really mainstream ones. Dang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You down with rap? Yeah, I don't have too many rap albums actually. <laughs> I don't. I, I, yeah. No worries. That's all good. Uh, but you did some you you uh, you were into rock for a little bit too, right? Oh yeah. my gosh, I had, yeah. a, I had an emo. Oh my god, I have to forget about this. I still am. Yeah, I had the big scene emo phase. I I got deep into emo. Really, like, like Dashboard Confessional. Yeah, like, saves the day. Hair. Nah, I I just wore like kind of like uh, button up shirts and and the geek glasses okay. and stuff like that. I was into Weezer, you know, okay. for a while. Yeah, all right, uh, Weezer. Uh, the Get Up Kids. I don't know if you know uh, them. Yeah. yeah, the Get Up Kids mm-hmm. uh, saves the day. Fuck, that was my shit. Like, that yeah. was my scene. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was, like, long hair, the girl jeans, the tight shirts. My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy oh, Academy fuck. is. Man, that was, like, my... How did I forget? That was, like... For me, that music was able to express, what, at the time, what hip-hop couldn't, which is being oh, more emotional. Right. Because at the time, hip-hop was just, like, very... Well, at the time, from what I listened to, it was, like, a very hyper masculine which nothing wrong with it. it's cool it's a good music it was very aggressive yeah but but this kind of music this alternative emo music okay it, it, it like it said oh it's okay to like be emo it's okay to be sad it's okay to feel angsty and you know when you're growing up being all rebellious and feeling rebellious mm-hmm. the whole world against you 
this music was just my thing. Oh, you know, damn, it was okay. the Fall Out Boy, uh, Academy is Thursday, The Used, Paramore. Like, this was like high school for you? Yeah, or? this yeah. is high school. This is high school, man. This was you like ever learned like any guitar or drums or anything like that? I or? didn't. Okay, okay. I didn't. Um, but you got the flow, though. You got, yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was something for me, man. Like, that was just a, open a different path. And, and then, you know, for me, I had a different like hard time identifying like music wise what I was like well back then you, it was hard to like listen to rock and like be a rapper now it's more acceptable back then I was like it's weird okay you know so people I dressed all seen an emo and then I rapped oh you don't look like the type of rapper that I'm used to seeing uh... you know um so yeah there's that but uh I mean music's music right and like wherever what connects with you connects with you and it could I, be any genre it could yeah. be anything yeah, yeah. I think now it's more acceptable with internet and it's more acceptable back then I don't feel like oh either you're a rock kid or a rap kid and I felt like both genres at the time were kind of pitted against each other yeah well I mean why yeah yeah, yeah. but um okay enough about me let's let's, let's <laughs> with, uh, one of y'all I don't know who um I kind of so I got deep into uh Music wise, like I kind of like classical as a kid, mm-hmm. like Con- Candy Paca Bell, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to like, um, she was his name, Coolio. Yeah. He had he did Gangster's like a Paradise. he Gangsters Paradise with the the Candy Paca Bell uh, yeah. over that. I was like, dude, that's that was dope. that's classical in the background. That's I think cool. was it no not Gangsters. He did another song okay. where it had like some classical in the background, um, but uh, I play a little piano, some guitar, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but like. Uh, I didn't really, I think what got me like really into music was like that whole phase, like the emo phase, like mm-hmm. Weezer, Ozma, right. the Get the Get Up Kids, um, the Get Up Kids, uh, something to write home about. Mm-hmm. I think that's almost like, that's pretty much a perfect album. Like mm-hmm. like every song and the way it builds is like freaking like awesome, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of got me into like wanting to play guitar. So like I made like this really like really amateur album when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Like right like after my first, I think it was my second year of starting my second year of college. I just like fuck. I really want to. I got some ideas. What it was was there's this girl in Ozma, um, like the keyboard is an Ozma star. Mm-hmm. And like I was just like I saw her at a concert and I I got I got infatuated though. I got really like. Dude, this girl's so cool. Yeah. Like she's playing keyboards. So I got I wrote a song for her. Like I remember, like I was my, with my homie and who was also into that scene. And uh, I was coming back from college. We went, we went to go get In and Out. Yeah. And uh, I think we just came back from the concert. And I was just like, "Fuck, I'm inspired." So I, like I took the placemat from like the, the you know the paper placemat and I started writing lyrics to that, mm-hmm. to a song for for her. And um, I think I'm more mature now. Like I understand when I, I get inf- what's the difference between like it, it's still tricky, it's but it's hard. There's that I where, where is that line between infatuation, and real like you know honest love, and you know that line is blurry, right? Um, so that's when I got deep into like so I made an album when I was 19, uh, a couple songs there, and then I've always kind of kept kept on and off. Mm-hmm. I was in a band like when I went to Taiwan, I was in like a two person band with a. We were street performers. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So I played with my homie Jim. Yo, what up, Jim? Um, uh, with my homie Jim, and uh, we played like uh, Oasis songs, Coldplay songs, okay. and then we wrote some of our own stuff nice. too. Uh, we were called the Nightlights. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, um, 
but it wasn't until recently I got back into music. Uh, like I took a long break focused on filmmaking and stuff like that and acting. But um, just more recently, I've been just, this is just hobby stuff. Like I'm just like, just playing for my own relaxation. Like before I go to bed and stuff, play a little couple of like acoustic stuff for myself. Mm-hmm. I don't really, maybe I'll record something, but I, for me it's more like, um, it's more like mental health for me right now. Gotcha. I was just playing, playing some music. And um, also I think the music now, like hip hop and with, uh, with the emo stuff, like kind of like, there's like a throw, I don't know if you noticed this, but I think there's a huge throwback to the 90s right now. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these, a lot of these um, emo indie rock kids, like uh, like I got into Phaser Days, she's like really good. Another infatuation, she's like super cute too. But, and also like, um, I've been into Now Now, that's another band coming out. I mean, they've been out, uh, but they came out with a new album. So, and yeah, it's just like their music is, it's like kind of recalling, it's triggering these memories of me growing up in the 90s. You grew up in the 90s too, right? And I'm just like, damn, it's like touching into that kind of, um, that emo mm-hmm. feel. So, um, oh, and freaking like, as far as hip hop and like the mix, like 88 Rising, have you have you have you listened to any of their stuff like I, Rich Brian or um, Joji or? Okay, so it, it's is it a record label? I'm confused. It's a it's a multimedia company. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I you know what I got a negative impression of Rich Chiga from his first song that stick. That stick. But yeah. I know he's changed, he's developed, but I haven't really. Rich Brian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't listen. I've heard of this name Joji. I've seen him around, but I haven't listened either. Okay, he's like R and B ish, yeah, yeah mix of mm-hmm. so like he does some indies. Yeah, yeah. it's it's an interesting mix up mashup. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Dan. Uh, what anything? About you? I, yeah, Dan. Any musical stuff on your end, or you're more of a film guy? I'm more into film and TV. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah tell us about your like your upbringing and like I guess your biography with like how you got into film and TV. In martial arts, possibly. Uh, as far as I, I mean, I don't do anything creatively in the film and TV world. I'm I'm just a sales guy in, in the tech world. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, but as far as upbringing, I'm uh, I'm I'm definitely a generation ahead of you guys. So I grew up in the '80s and I, I watched a bunch of like cartoons, right. like Transformers and GI Joe, and even some older stuff like Heckle and Jekyll and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I grew up. Um, I grew up, I was born in New York, but I grew up, uh, we moved out here when I was four, lived in LA for a few years, parents got divorced, we moved down to San Diego, and I mostly grew up in San Diego. Okay. But as far as film and TV is concerned, I, I, I like to watch a lot of comedies these days. Like what? But, uh, I like Blackish. Okay. I like Brooklyn Nine-Nine still, I mean, the first season was the, probably the best one. I like... Uh, I like I'm Sorry. Mm-hmm. I really like that show. I don't know if you guys know about it, but there's a it's on True TV, but it's it's one of those most fucked up shows. Kind of like oh. it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Right. Kind of thing. But yeah. Interesting. Okay. And right now I'm just trying to catch up on everything since I'm I've been moving from San Diego to LA again, back to my mm-hmm. house, and okay. I'm way behind on a bunch of shows. Sure. <laughs> So I think a different one. One thing I meant to ask is, um, you're a father. What, what's it, what's it like? How, I'm sorry. How old are you? I'm just curious. Forty-five. Oh, okay. I thought you were like our age. I thought I thought I thought this guy was younger than me. He's a little older. I'm thirty. He's in his mid-thirties. 
Yeah, yeah but he, I thought you were like our age or my age <laughs> from the pictures I saw. Oh, okay, he he looks like you know Asians. What's up? Yeah, Asian. No, Asian. If jeans. you see me in person, um, I have gray hair and I've, I'm like wrinkles. So talk to us about like fatherhood. I mean, what was it like when you know when you had your first kid or when you found out you're having a kid? The first thought in my mind was I had to make more money. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> yeah. It is like the first thought. And fatherhood is is you start worrying before the kid comes, you start panicking and you get start getting rid of a lot of things. Well, at least for me, I started getting rid of everything as much as I can. They call it nesting for guy or nesting in general, but uh, girls start putting things together and, and getting rid of things and guys do the, kind of do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I went through that whole phase, but once the kid comes out, it's the first two months or first month at least you're you're just constantly tired unless you're one of those fathers who just like you really can't do anything except change the diaper right. and a kid needs to be fed every two hours mm-hmm. and you I for me I try to be supportive those first that first week and woke up with my wife yeah but you're just really just sitting there staring at her mm-hmm. <laughs> breastfeed the kid so I just kind of gave up and just went slept but whenever the kid needed to get changed i just got up and get you know, change the kid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but as far as father it changes you and your outlook on things how so you definitely have to think about well you're no longer thinking about just yourself right and it, it's different when you're the friends that you keep or that you hang out with because when you're single your friends who are married and have kids they start hanging out with other other couples with kids mm-hmm. because the, the other couples with kids understand the, the schedule that the they struggle, have to keep. Yeah. It's a struggle, but the, the schedule more than anything else. <laughs> so they're a little bit more understanding if, if you're like 30 minutes late because something happened on the way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And how was it like when you had your second kid? Were you more prepared, obviously? Just, okay, I kind of been through the rodeo or is something totally new? It's it's the second kid's much easier in that regard. You're not you're less anxious because with the first kid they call it the anxiety kid, right. so you're always like worried and um, making sure that the kid doesn't eat anything funny or mm. wash their hands all that crap. But uh, with the second kid, the kid was eating stuff off the ground. And we're like, oh, that's good. <laughs> Build up his immunity. Yeah, kind of thing. And how old? What's the age gap between your first and second child? Two years. Two they're, years. They're, like 25 months apart okay uh how old are they five and three okay do they get along or is it kind of a mixed bag oh they definitely get along they're pretty they're uh they usually play together they got to that age so once the the younger kid turns three there's more interaction Mm -hmm. so in this past year they they're just talking and and playing uh toys with each other which is great because when i am cooking or whatever they will play with each other and then I listen in on the conversation I try to join in and they get pissed off and it's like we're playing don't don't bother us wow what do they talk about I'm curious they they play with stories I mean right now they're into transformers and and dinosaurs so they're like doing stories with the dinosaurs or the the Autobots trying oh, to rescue hmm. things or something nice. like that. Dude, that's my shit, dog. Like I used to do that all the time when I was a kid. Yeah. Same here. I, I read action figures, and I would like you know have them fight and everything. Um, are your kids? Are they like into? Are they 
savvy with uh, iPhones and whatnot, or you don't give them access for that yet? Um, very, very limited access. Good. I think that's yeah. great. Because I want them to be bored sometimes. Right. And then forces them to play with their toys and make imagination that way rather yeah, than just sitting in front of a screen. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I'm, I believe in that because like, uh, I think when I was bored, like, like some of this, I do some, I film directing, right? And I basically, a lot of those skills that I have um, were kind of formulated when I was a kid playing with these toys. Like I had this whole story arc. I had this one Lego guy who wore a green. It's like well, like this cheap little Lego guy with a green shirt, right? Mm-hmm. But like he was the most powerful out of all the guys and he became the villain. Like I had this whole story arc where everyone had to beat this guy. And basically that's like basically like the Thanos storyline in Infinity Wars or mm-hmm. something like that. So like mm-hmm. so a lot of the stories telling skills and stuff, like I I developed from being being bored <laughs> i don't know dan if you've had a similar experience but um or if you, yeah but like i i and also they're doing studies now about like social media and like electronics and stuff mm-hmm. and it's basically having fragmented uh attention throughout the day yeah it leads to depression mm-hmm. um and also like extended periods of time on instagram or facebook oh my God, yeah. can can lead to like the patterns of judging yes. and comparing yourself and yeah. it's it's really fun. I notice it like I I, sure. I know like I'll be on Instagram late at night sometimes I'll be looking at I'm, I'm, I'll be on it for maybe like seven minutes and I'm like oh shit I'm getting kind of depressed right now yeah yeah I'm getting kind of like this is kind of getting me sad for some reason mm-hmm. and I stop yeah yeah, yeah. I, I look at memes now on Instagram so I now- see dude if you guys don't see this this guy has a heart meme uh tattoo yeah um, I'll have to get a photo later, but like, <laughs> yeah, I love memes. I think I think memes have made a positive impact on my life because I never before before that I never really laughed too much, but I wake up in the morning, I get memes from friends, and I send them back, and you know, laughter is the best medicine. They say, oh, yeah, and I just yeah. laugh. It's just funny, and I've been into them for like six years, and it's just made my day. You know, I laugh, and it's a way to relate to people. Yeah, you know, but um. So yeah, going back to your um, your kids, you know, it's crazy because I do retail and I see kids on strollers with phones and they're, I mean, in a way they're techni- technology, they're good at technology, they're savvy with technology, Yeah. but at the same time, it's like, that's what they're hooked on. You take that away, they, they cry and everything. You know, before we just had toys. Back then we had toys or we had imaginary friends, action figures, you know, so I, I that's a great uh, move on parenting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough because at some point or another, it, it's easier. Yeah, it's so easy just to like turn on the TV and let them watch something while you you get something. But they they become zombies, or yeah. at least the older one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because I remember I visited you and like I think you had Toy Story on, and then mm-hmm. like once you put that movie on, they just sit like zombie. And I would real talk, I was the same way. I like, t- going back to that Wizard of Oz story, like I would like. I could I could watch a movie and like zombie out like for reals and you know in some way I mean on the positive like you're learning from the movie if it's yeah. a good movie you know but same time it's like yeah um, I think it's it's moderation right they talk about you know how, you know Buddhists they talk about like moderation mm-hmm. uh, moderate even moderation is, has to be in moderation 
I think said that. Yeah, Oscar Wilde said, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. I think everything has to be in moderation, including moderation. Moderation. Sometimes you can wild out, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Stories about that. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, can I switch? Sure. Let me, let me, sure. uh, di- before, Dan, did you have any questions for Vaughn real quick? Uh, what, what are you, what are you doing these days? You're in retail doing what? I do retail, sales associate. But uh, I, my goal, I'm, I've been making music for a while. Now it just became serious. Um, it's interesting. Six years ago, I've, I stumbled upon this group, Brown Bag All-Stars. They're from New York. And over time, I became cool with one of the, uh, one of the people, now two of them. And six, over time, we just like messaged each other. I just loved their music. I never said, like, yo, check out my music on, on that kind of shit. I just like... Hey, I love your music, man. Like, can you give me a story on these lyrics? Or, you know, you're in New York. You were at like at this this peak of New York when all this stuff was going down. Can you tell me more about that kind of thing? And I was just cool becoming friends with him. More more recently, hey, like, let, check, let me check out your music. Oh, that's kind of cool. Like, maybe if you do this or that. And um, he asked, and then he started giving me like little tasks. Like, hey, man, like, check this out. Let me know what you think. To, you know, um, this month, this year, early this year, he goes, hey, like, I'm starting up my own, my own record label slash collective. Do you want to help me out in the business aspect? Like, you want to be my personal assistant? You want to help me with emails? You want to make videos for uh, my songs? That kind of stuff. It's a good way for you to get into the industry. And also, you know, you help out and everything. And I said, hell yeah. You know, I still haven't gotten paid, but it's not the point. You know, the money to me never mattered. It's just, it's just, it's like a, it's a shock. It's surreal to see, to work with one of the, your idols, you know, and then now it's like, hey, do you want to be part of the label? I'm like, fuck yeah. Oh, Hell shit. yeah. You okay. know, so he's been heavily uh, instrumental in helping me out my music. I record music. I send it to him. He gives me feedback. He tweaks a little things here and there. So there's that. Um, podcasting, I got into it because I love listening to people, listening to people's like stories. Um, I guess we go into like podcasting how we got into it later on and also too I started helping out at a tattoo shop uh, like about last semester um, so there is that I went in there I like the people they like me I kept going there over time say hey, do you want to help out like you know we can't pay you but we can help you out with like tattoos and stuff and kind of give you discounts and so I put in so much hours there because after graduation I didn't work I just helped out there became good friends with the people there one truth tattoo post-grad depression yeah yeah <laughs> but it's fun though man I mean like I got to see a different it, side of tattoo tattoo artist their perspective because I, I just just sorry yeah, to interrupt, okay. but it's kind of like it's interesting how everyone talks about post-grad and like this, this idea of post-grad depression but I think yeah. it's kind of more like a post-grad um uh, cert, well, yeah. uh, I guess post-grad uh, awakening or yeah. post-grad um, search where yeah. it's like this, okay, outside of the system of school, what? how can you shape your life? Because yes. that's, that's, and you know, for some people, schools it does not for them, you know, yeah, which definitely. is fine. Like, and the mo- some of the most successful, if not the most successful people in the world did not like school, mm-hmm. you know, uh, freaking, you know, Bill Gates or yeah. uh, Steve Jobs. You ha- we hear these stories, but like, I mean, they're they're like outliers, though, right? Yeah. But like for and um, 
but I think this 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 idea of you like no, it's kind of like you're finding your path. Cause if yeah. you if you can see guys, the, the Vaughn has some tats, right? Few, yeah, a, a few, few, yeah, yeah. A few. And you got your knee one recently, right? The, the, knee the tiger. One, I, oh wow! I got the, my shin redone. Yeah. Okay. I have a, I have a handful. Nice. Yeah, I, okay. like, I like I like tattoos. All right, because yeah. it's kind of like um, it's interesting. It's like uh, this. Sorry, this is gonna be a little philosophical, but like we are born into like certain systems, right? Yeah. Either it's like we're born, you're born in the Philippines. I was born in the Bay Area, and there's a certain social construct or society mm-hmm. rules, right? Yeah. You know, Aristotle talks about like you're born into, you're born into society, right? And you have to follow the rules of society to live in that society. Like you're not go punch a cashier in the face or yeah. something like that, right? But um. That's the quote logic, but um, going back to that, but like it's kind of like once you're outside of a certain construct like school, it's like oh shit, how can I shape my life now, right? Yeah. And so it seems like for you, you've kind of shaped, you gravitate towards your passions, mm-hmm. tattoo, tattooing, yeah. uh, music, yeah. obviously. Yeah. That's dope. Like I didn't, I didn't know. Like so that collective you're part of, like he's one of your idols that yes. you looked up. That's great. Yeah. That's dope, man. Yeah, and it was never the intention of me like making music with him. I just was a fan and just became friends. And I think that's one reason why he understood like, okay, he's really into it. He's not just out here to like become like a musician kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so there is that, and um, that's about. about it, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what I'm kind of curious is that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna go back and forth, guys. Get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm kind of curious about your Asian American studies path, right? Oh, right. So oh like, so Dan and I, on our podcast, and your podcast as well, we talk a lot about a lot of issues, but what's interesting is that, well, I think why we got into podcasting, um, just briefly, is mm-hmm. that like, Dan, um, I, no, I'll speak for myself, like I got really into like, um, uh, DVD ASA, that's a David Cho Oh podcast. my God, me too. Dude, really? DVD, yeah, I was heavy. I- Yo, awesome. DVD essay yo, forever. Yo, let me, let me see, after this, I'm going to show you a picture of me and Asakira. I, was, oh, I got a picture of her too. No yeah, shit. yeah, yeah, yeah. She I went was, to the Northridge. She, I, I think, I, 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 get, I, I don't know if I can say, but I think she lives like in the valley. She's in the valley. We can say she's in the valley. I mean, come on. There's a lot of porn stars in the valley. Because so, yeah. um, I was getting a tattoo. I took a break next yeah. to the pokey spot. I saw this Asian chick pull up in a Mercedes uh, station wagon. Uh, SUV. And I'm like, no. She, I, was she driving herself? Yeah, she, I was oh, like, wow. I was like, nah, can't be. She walked in. I'm like, oh, that's her probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so nervous. I didn't say anything. And the artist, she was like, do you want to get a picture with her? I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of shy. And she was, excuse me, he wants to get a picture with you. <laughs> Yo, yeah. And I was like, oh my god, awesome. I'm like, hey, big fan. Cool. I love you. I love your stuff. I love your candles. I'm a big fan of your candles. Because <laughs> <laughs> she makes candles. She makes great candles. And then um, I, she was a little shorter than I thought. But uh, she she's cool. She, she she's so nice. dope. Like yeah. uh, I met her at the Northridge Mall. And I'm like, how? Wait, I, she was at the uh, store, uh, and I was just like, at the store I was at, and um, I was just like, is that her? And I was walking. I was gonna get some food. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm pretty sure that's her. Yeah. And I'm like, should I hit, should I circle back? And I'm like. Fuck it, yeah. I'm gonna circle back and make sure. And I'm like, hey, you know. And I'm like, hey, I'm a big fan of DVD ASA. Like, ah, like real sure. talk. Like I've seen some of her like video work, and like I've seen her video work, yeah. and it's all right, it's you cool, know. School. Um, but like I kind of I cut like when I was 29, a couple years ago, I cut porn out of my diet. Wow. It's out of my diet now. Good for you. So, um, but like, dude, I think I connected with her a lot more. I mean, like her work in video, like she she you know she wins all yeah. those AVN awards, yeah. but like. 
but her work as a podcaster, she really plays off well with like David Cho and all the other guests on that DVDSA yeah. show. And like, I thought like, dude, yeah, you, she's, she's a cool girl and uh, yeah. I, I think the, the podcast humanized her. Yeah, and let's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, wow, that's so cool. So I'm okay. sorry, so back to- No, a, yeah, yeah, DVDSA, studies. and Dan actually listen, listens, the, he listened to DVDSA was as well. And um, so, and we actually had uh, Bill Poon, one of the DVDAS guys on our podcast. Wow. Yeah, I'll, I can send you a link. Okay. But like, yeah, it was, yeah. So, because we worked together on a project before, and um, so it would, it would talking to him was kind of surreal. It's like, dude, I've listened to you already. Um, but anyways, I heard podcasting, and also I was listening to other shows like on NPR and stuff like that. I was like, dude, this kind of radio, this format of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I know I know Kevin Smith got really deep into it as well, and I liked you know some of his earlier work. But uh, like I was just like, dude, um, podcast podcasting seems pretty dope. Yeah. Like as a way of filmmaking, is pretty tough. Like you need so many different resources. Even, like you can chew on your phone and stuff like that, but you still got. Ed- like, I think podcasting is a very direct way of telling a story that mm-hmm. that's definitely like something I enjoy. And I think music too is a great way to tell mm-hmm. stories as well. But I think podcasting is, is is a it's a format of our generation that's just like taking yeah. off. But Dan, real quick, like some podcasting influences for you. Uh, uh, definitely it's podcast. It's Kevin Smith, right? Yeah, yeah Kevin yeah, Smith. Smith. And uh, I remember that way back when, and they had the Smod Castle on San Leonardo Boulevard. I always wanted to go, but I never went. Ah. Uh, and then Bill Simmons, one of the first uh, pioneers kind of podcasting. Okay. Cool. And yeah. What, I mean, yeah. what made you want to get into it? What was, what was just, so enticing for you that? That you wanted to become more than a listener. Hey, I feel like I can start my own or be with someone and start our own podcast. Yeah, you know, I tried podcasting with a different friend, but it just never worked out. The timing wise. Uh, so you met me, dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then so. Yin and Young. Yin and Young. That's right. Yeah, I, and I think Dan and I, our personalities work well together. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. It, I'm not speaking for you, Dan. I'm speaking for myself. But <laughs> yeah, don't I, speak for me. <laughs> But I think we play <laughs> off each other well. And, I agree. Uh, and uh, no, I, I look up to Dan kind of like as a, a, a bit of a like a mentor as well, mm-hmm. you know. And 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 I think uh, and I think I offer something to Dan. I don't know if I do, but I, I think I yeah. offer some perspective here and there. Um, but I'm curious, like, what were some of your influences for podcasting then and now? Actually, so yeah. for me, I got into podcasting mainly because of the music i like hearing the stories about artists i listen to oh for sure or just what's going on and uh to me it was like it gave it gave them more a humanizing effect because when they make music it's not really their real life most of the time okay so hearing them behind the microphone talking about how they got into music their upbringing it's sort of inspirational in a sense like i can i can relate to certain things or now i know what to do in certain situations music wise And to me, it's just I love the culture, so I like to hear the behind the scenes. Do you know any like uh, is specific uh, artist podcast that um, you listen to or that you would recommend or well, anything? Well, the f- the first founding podcast of hip hop was uh, Juan Epstein. It's uh, it was Cypher Sounds and Peter Rosenberg, and then there was okay. one called the Combat Jack Show. Unfortunately, Combat Jack passed away, but he those those two podcasts were huge. On, on, huge impact on the hip-hop podcasting because yeah. they spawn so many different ones. Nice. But my favorite one probably is called No Jumper. No Jumper, okay. Um, so that one, it was originally a BMX podcast. It became like a hip-hop podcast and like anyone else in like in the 
up up and coming scenes they'd be on that so okay. to me what I liked about that one is it broke new artists it, oh, it, nice. it, I, I learned about new artists and to me like that's why I kind of wanted to do my show uh, just to like break new people or just like really get it learn a story because I learn a new, new thing about people all the time through podcasting right and in Asian American studies we learn like you know give something provide something for your community that it's not there um, to my knowledge there wasn't too much podcasting I found out yours but there's not too much in the area that I, I knew about or just like that spoke to specific like underground artists or just up-and-coming artists or just past music like talking about like talking to skaters painters actresses yeah that kind of thing so to me there's that and just it creates a dialogue and it, to me it's a form of networking and the benefits for the guest is like hey you can put on your resume whatever your resume is hey i've been on a podcast right that still sounds pretty legit like oh you're on a podcast oh yeah you're on a show yeah yeah you're yeah. on itunes you're on itunes you're on youtube you're on this <laughs> and that that's not, that's i mean to look at yourself up to look up your show on itunes or apple music and show that to people like oh shit this person's doing something Right, right. It's like, uh, it, it's, it's not that you have to have that validation, but it's, it's not bad. It's, you know, it's it not, looks it's good not, on your resume. It looks good, resume. yeah, yeah. It looks really good, like, um, you have a podcast. And I think for me, it just comes out of, like, I remember, like, I was in my last semester uh, of, of CSUN, mm-hmm. and I was just, like, and I was working on building this, this podcast, and I was just, like, uh, I was kind of like procrastinating on my, my my assignments, but like fuck, it was like it was dope. It's kind of like, oh shit, like this um, it's coming from a place of love. It's coming yeah. from this place of yeah. like this passion, you know. And it's like it's in, I'm I'm watching like Masterclass right now with like Martin Scorsese, and like he talks about dude, like one of the key things is having that passion or of a story to tell, you know. And the thing is, it's not easy. Like you gotta stoke the fires, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you, you lose that passion, but you gotta kind of like poke the fire, poke mm-hmm. the embers. Yeah. Um, so circling back to Asian American studies, yeah. like you said, uh, that for you, from coming out of high school, you took a break for a while, right? Yeah. Because because you're kind of a, an older elder statesman, so to speak, yeah. as far as undergrad, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I took a break with music, and I think with that came like a, a fascination for drug use. Like okay. I was, 10 years I was deep into drugs. Um, I was able to... Select, Which ones, if I may ask? Uh, or can, yeah. can you don't want to talk about it publicly? Yeah, no, no, I don't want to talk about it too much, <laughs> but you use your imagination. You're right, right, right. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. more than weed. I never really liked weed to be in the first place. I dr- a lot of drinking and substance use. And to me, I realized in the podcast I did yesterday was because I stopped doing music. You know, I felt discouraged and I felt like I needed an, an, outlet, an, uh, an outlet. You know, I went from living with parents to just on my own. You know, you're taught at a young age, don't do drugs. But then when you're that age, you're curious and you're like, man, like, fuck the world. And to me, I just got hooked into certain things and it lasted for 10 years and Damn. I stopped. I stopped for the most part. I partake here and there, but I pretty much cut out drinking. Yeah. To me, drinking was bad because I'd black out and make stupid decisions and say stupid shit. Oh, okay, the next okay. day waking up, like, you know what you said to this person? Or I hate hearing that. I was always scared. Like, I woke up, oh, fuck. Who did I piss off? Who did I hurt? Like that's scary yeah that's scary stuff but too. uh you know to me it was it was just like it was an escape you know because i think with my childhood i went i, I went through definitely um verbal abuse and physical abuse and i think it's crazy in the statistics it said like you know people who went through that as a child they're more than likely going to use drugs so for, sure. for yeah. me realizing that and now like i think i was 29 when I realized, I'm like, yo, when I turned 30, I was, I was high as fuck, getting loaded. I'm like, yo, when I turn 30, I gotta fucking stop this shit. 
because it's been 10 years and like we, at this age it's like well either you're gonna one or two things you're gonna like keep doing it and like get in like financial like hazard dangerous kind of gonna thing. go to jail or die maybe. yeah 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 and uh, i've been faced with that before and it's like you know and also it affected my creativity it's a reason why i did it was because i couldn't create and i was like whenever i couldn't write i'm like damn i i, I can't write i want to get high it's like oh maybe i'll unlock some sort of like creative power no it's got high as well you know kids don't do drugs <laughs> and, and if you do i can't even knock on it i can understand why a lot of people do it they have some sort of trauma in their life um I say if you do, please use properly, as, as interesting as that might sound, there is definitely harm, uh, harm reduction, um, but in general, it's a short-term fix for a, for a problem. You know, like, it, it's, it helps you with a problem up until the, the high runs out, and then now it's like you're, you feel a lot worse, and, like, the problem's still there. You know, what's curious is that a lot of people have this romantic idea to be creative, I need to drink. I need to do drugs. Yes, yes. Ernest Hemingway was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. um, Stephen King, for a long time, did a bunch of drugs before he got sober. Yeah. Um, but he wrote in his book on writing that he can't fucking write when he's like barfing mm -hmm. on the sidewalk. Yeah. You know. So like, I think that's a really strong misconception yeah. that that are kind of like uh, a lot of media romanticizes like yes. oh people who do like these drugs the thing is this i think a lot of these people are uh, as the co uh, coin kanye <laughs> yeah. uh, are hsps right they're highly sensitive people yeah highly sensitive people and gabor mate he's on the, he was on a podcast with the tim ferris podcast i heard about him he, he talked about sobriety yeah he uh talks about he's an addiction specialist right mm -hmm. and essentially that what what these drugs are and also russell brand talks about this yeah, too like these addictions, even sex, gambling, mm -hmm. pornography. I was deep into pornography for a while. That's why I had to cut it out. But um, like, we're dealing with trauma, like childhood yeah. trauma. Like, yeah. um, do I? I can only imagine like that separation that you have from your parents. That's yeah. that's that's like you might not even understand consciously understand it. No. But like, I I was separated from my my mom for like six months at a time sometimes because uh, the, she couldn't really take care of me uh, at home. So uh, my grandparents, I, I was staying in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. my, my grandparents helped take care of me in there. So like, uh, but I love my grandparents. Yeah, and like, of because of that, like, um, it, no, I eventually got, you know, obviously like I went back to the States at a young age. I reconnected with my parents, but like still, even those, those months away, can create that abandonment like even now i know with my dating stuff like or with women it's hard for me to like try to oh shit am i like getting hella needy right now am i trying to like i just am i just trying to like get her to validate me mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff is something i'm, I'm conscious of i'm i think i'm because of meditation and stuff i think i'm more conscious of mm -hmm. and uh aware of but before man i was just like in these patterns of like, yes. oh shit, she's not even texting me back. I'm fucking, yeah. I'm, I'm not, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, uh, so you were deep in the, so when did that path lead to college, I guess? Oh, I mean, like, so I got into it, like, I was good in high school. I think the yeah, first okay. time I took ecstasy was in like a senior prom at someone else's prom, which was like, I didn't feel it. And I took it here and there in, in summer, but then college is when like I really started experimenting because. I was I barely drank in high school. Okay. You know, I was a good kid in high school. I, I never did anything. 
I ditched, I, I, I snuck out a couple times. And even my dad was like, you know, I don't care if you sneak out, I just want you to be careful you drink, you know. And I even denied sneaking, so I don't care, like, you know, do what you want to do, you know. In that sense, like, it's part of it, you know, but I got into it in college because I was like, wow, like, there's so much experience, like, there's so much to do, and like, you know, I, I just met certain people, like, hey, try this, try that, and that's cool, you know. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, it's just when it becomes, it, when it comes from, like, like, occasional thing to, like, all the time, but what is occasional, what is all the time? Mm, you know, I, yeah. I, I did drugs I thought I'd never do. Um, I think it, like, made me kind of, like, you know, like, maybe, well, life experiences. Yeah, yeah. You know, I never used any needles or anything. I was scared of needles, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah. But, so. uh, yeah, yeah, man. Um, but I think that experience of, like, really being aware of it now has helped me become, like, who I am. And it kind of helped with my music, kind of sense. But the romanticization of, like, doing drugs, certain points, yeah, I felt more creative, but not really. I think also that also just, like, Use it to cope, man. Use it to cope with relationships and life. And it's it's interesting. Like it, I don't know if it's true or not, but like the most tortured artists make like really good music. And that's scary. Like, you know, they make I mean, you know, what what's um Kurt Cobain. Okay. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff is like it's interesting, like the the more tortured they are, the, the they can express so much in their music, but it's, in a sense, it's kind of scary. Like you know, the Twenty Seven Club. Have you yeah. heard about that? Oh, yeah. I was yeah. scared. I was scared when I was twenty seven. I'm like, yo, I gotta chill. I gotta really relax because I thought like it, it could happen. You, you know? know, you know what it is. I think and there might be a biological component to it. I'm not too sure, but uh, one uh, uh, psychologist, uh, Jordan B. Peterson, mm -hmm. uh, he he's kind of like uh, he's getting. Uh, I think he has some good ideas. He gets a bad rap for saying some maybe slightly right right wing stuff but overall i think he's fairly uh intelligent writer mm -hmm. and he talks about he talks with he was on a podcast with russell brand and they talked about the 27 people basically russell brand went through a similar similar thing basically mm -hmm. oh i need to grow up or i'm gonna die yeah and i think that's a lot of people when they're in their late 20s they kind of go through that it's like mm -hmm. oh shit, i'm approaching 30 can i continue this early 20s adolescence or do I need to grow the fuck up? Yeah. yeah, and I think, I know for me, my awakening is when I broke up with my ex, actually, mm -hmm. in my late 20s. I thought like, oh shit, I think this was the girl I was gonna marry, but then she broke up with me, and I was just like, fuck, man. I, I didn't think about like, I don't think I've really seriously thought about suicide, mm -hmm. but I, I, and I talked about this before, but like, I have empathy for people who are, who commit suicide because basically they did studies about people who had been through a bad breakup and burn victims. And basically it's the same, it's almost like the same pathways in the brain mm -hmm. as far as like pain. Mm -hmm. So basically when someone's going through a breakup, it's essentially like almost the same feeling as getting fucking burned by mm -hmm. a fire. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I realized that shit. If I can't live without her, then fucking I can't live with her anyway, mm -hmm. anyways, right? Yeah. And she, I think she kind of sensed that. And I sensed, I bet it was best thing that happened in my life is yeah. for us to break up because we would not have been happy couple. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. think so. So um, that was my wake up call. Yeah. So your wake up call was like, so then you're like in college, still deep into to yeah. drugs, okay? Deep into drugs, and I was like, it, this is hindering me for my music, and I never got into music to do drugs. I got into music to make music and yeah man yeah you know. yeah yeah so that was my awakening um well, what about you uh, dan dan any comments on that and that issue in that realm any obstacles before we, we delve deeper any obstacles you had to face is like how's your late 20s Dan? yeah 
It was boring. <laughs> it was just boring. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I didn't uh, try drugs. Good. I didn't do, I didn't smoke weed or try weed until like two years ago. You're smart. But I, I do know of people who, who have had problems with alcohol, or not alcohol, with, with drugs. And it's messed up their life quite a bit. Yeah. To the point um, that uh, they're yeah. both, uh, the two people I, I'm thinking of, they're both bipolar now. And I don't know if it, it was drug related or whatever, but they definitely became bipolar in their late 30s. Oh, or, really? Or early 30s, I mean. After having done drugs. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any obstacles you faced? I mean, did you have any like uh, midlife crisis around that point? Like, you know, what are you going to do after college or any career issues? Like, did you want I'm to... having those now. Are, okay. <laughs> are, are, like, I mean, do you want, are you able to talk about anything? Any Anything like in, in, in particular that was like a struggle, was an obstacle, but because you're able to, to overcome it, it became, became it made, you made a you became a better person in that sense. I don't think I had quite those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, the only midlife crisis I'm having now is I'm, I'm actually at the... Shout out to my point. roommate who's passing through right now. <laughs> getting on camera real quick. Hey. He's, he's Filipino as hey, well. Yeah, yeah, Wait, yeah. buddy. How's it I don't know what they... Yeah. Uh, Hansit or yeah, I said I some know. gang shit right now. Oh. I'm <laughs> I said what's up. So I'm sorry. So you said like, I mean, what is it now? I mean, like, I guess juggling being a father of two, mm. work and the personal life. How is that? It's rough. I'm, but the thing is, like, I graduated from business school thinking, oh, it's life is going to be so much easier if I don't work. But work was so much easier before business school. Really? How so? Yeah. It, uh, living in the Bay Area, once you, get, once you get started in the Bay Area, you start making a lot of connections, and then when you're looking for a new job, you just ask around, and then a friend will always know if there's a job available, and you just, you don't have to, I don't think I ever wrote a cover letter, and I just got interviews, you know, just sent over my resume, mm-hmm. but down in LA, it's, it's a different, different market. I, I'm writing cover letters, I'm trying to get connections, but... You know, I meet with some companies, but I'm not the right fit because they're looking for a lot of techies, and I'm not a programmer at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, where right do you identify yourself I'm, as in that sense? What's that? Are you more of a salesperson, or? Uh, I'm more of an operations person than salesperson. I do sales. I, I've done sales before, and I'm doing sales now. But the sales I'm doing now is, I'm more or less uh, writing proposals, mm-hmm. but. Uh, as far as like the actual work, it's I'm more of an operations guy, uh, managing schedules and stuff. So first, for those who don't know, like myself, what's the difference from operations and was it programming? Well, programming, you're you're just coding all the time. You're writing the code for the the software to happen, mm-hmm. whether it's in iOS or Android or right. Python or any of the many dozens of languages that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not a developer of any sort. I'm not a computer science guy. Right. I've taken those classes. I'm not that good. I mean, I, when you're good, you're really good at it. But as far as operations, you're doing a lot of the back-end stuff uh, to make a company work. So doing the project management, if something's coming through, you have to manage, you have to keep on top of the people who are doing the, 
the actual work. Like you're, you're talking to the engineers, hey, what's your schedule like? Are you, are you meeting the deadlines? Are you going to meet it? Is there anything issues with that? And you're talking to buyers, making sure that they've purchased things on time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan, I'm, I'm kind of curious. You mentioned that you're going through like those midlife struggles now. Like, kind of give us a sneak peek because we're, we're we'll be approaching that age eventually. <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, not it's. I mean, it, it might be specific to me. Of course, yeah. It's, it's a specific to each individual. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to remember that when you're when you're growing up and in a different era, you find a job after you graduate from college and you kind of stick through it for the next 40 years until you retire or whatever. But in this day and age, no one, very few people have those jobs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I, if you look at my resume, my resume is all over the map. So because of that, it's hard for me to find another job that I'm, I really want and, and that I want to just enjoy doing, right? That's the dream. But at this point, I'm struggling with, oh, should I just get a good paying job or a decent paying job and suffer, like, just think of it as a job versus some people have careers. I know I have a cousin who knew from an early age she was going to be a doctor and she grew up to be a doctor. And that's a career versus what I do is I'm just hopping from one thing to the next. And I'm looking for that that fit that where I go, oh, this is this is it. This is my career, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it has to do with more with the environment of the company. I've worked in toxic environments before, and I, I hated it. I was, I I remember one company. I went down to almost my college weight, and that means I was stressed out and not eating much and whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. it's not worth it. No. Yeah. So, it, right now I'm looking for a place where I can grow and be challenged but also someplace where i fit culturally like thought process wise right yeah because there there have been companies that are kind of an old boys network no yeah and if you're a minority uh probably even worse if you're a minority female you you just are not going to get any sort of traction okay right right so I mean, I think as the minority, like, I know, because we look kind of young for our age, right? right. Yeah. And I, I know one of my homies, programmer, Bay Area, you know, he said he's got a good job, but, like, he's, there's a lot of, like, those, um, those, the older, older people, generation at the company, white guys, and they treat him like a college kid, but he's, like, my age, he's in his mm-hmm. 30s, like, and he's paid his dues, but, right. so they talk about this, like, um, you know, bamboo ceiling, you know, dumb, yes. dumb talks about that. And like, it's, I don't know, it's kind of real. Cause like perceptually they think they look at you and they look young. Oh yeah, this guy's not ready for management or whatever, mm-hmm. but he's, but he's probably been working at that company for like, you know, long ass time. Right. But um, anyways, uh, I kind of want to circle back. So as what, what got you interested in Asian American studies? Then? <laughs> you know, man, I was switching majors. Like I did biology and you're also was this also during the drug phase as well or? yeah oh, okay damn. all of this the, my whole uh, i say it's my whole college career was a drug phase <laughs> um, class of 2017 hey, <laughs> i got all these that so, but towards the end but um so for me i was switching majors bio major to nutritionist to business marketing because okay. i felt that i felt this thing maybe i should do something to make my parents happy ah. maybe i should pursue these 
these uh, majors because they will guarantee a safe job, uh, something that's financially stable. Yeah. And then I realized well, I'm not happy. I'm failing constantly math classes, chemistry classes. These majors rely heavily on math and science. I took an AAS class just to take it as an upper GE and I got like, wow, this speaks to me. I learn about Asian American identity. It was empowering, long story short. You, know, you, you become quote unquote woke to issues today, to history about our people because we don't learn about that in, in high school. Yeah. And I think learning about that is pretty empowering. You know, and some people say, oh, like ethnic studies is racist. But no, you learn about different cultures. You learn about, in this case, Asian American culture. You know, because there's a di big difference from Asian culture and Asian American culture. For, for reals, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't want to delve into that, but in general, it spoke to me. You know, the faculty and professors, they were human. They didn't care just about my grades. I was surprised when one was asking, so how is, how is life? I'm like, how's life? This has nothing to do with papers, school. I thought like, is he asking me because I'm doing bad? But he was asking about life. And to me, I was like, wow, this is a great, pro this is a great program, great, stu uh, great faculty, great colleagues. It stimulated my mind. I learned critical thinking in that sense. And you know, it, it was just like, wow, this is my calling for college-wise, and, uh, and, my, and my professors are so supportive of my music. It went from like the, one of the professors was like, oh, like, we, he, they just asked me about random like school stuff back then, and she's the head uh, chair now. She's like, oh, I started a music video. I'm like, holy shit, this is weird. <laughs> you know? So they're just a very supportive uh, group, and I just learned about what I became passionate about, it seems like, you know, just well-being of others and just being, being able to see situations in the world in a specific lens that you don't learn generally in college and high school unless like you take these courses. Interesting. It gives you that kind of perspective that, because like real talk, us growing up in the 90s, you know, the history we learn is all from a white perspective. Yes. Columbus discovered America. Yeah. Please, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, Native Americans been here for thousands of years. Yeah. He didn't discover shit, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. And definitely it's it's empowering because we don't learn about ourselves. We see ourselves, you know, we oh we built the railroads. Oh, we know karate. Karate kids, not even he's not he's a white guy. You know, we see ourselves in the media, you know, sixteen candles. We you know, our long, idol long is like dominant. Bruce Lee. Yeah. You know, and not all of us do martial arts, but it's cool if you can, you know, we us Asian males, you see us, we're emasculated. You know, Harold and Kumar, you see a good example. Like what you said, the bamboo ceiling. Oh, this, give, this, give this guy all the work because he's Asian. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. You know, so seeing all of that, it kind of plays into our psyche, Asian men and just Asian Americans in general. You know, so to me, it's very fascinating. It's very interesting. You know, um, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. I saw myself whitewashed and was proud of it. But learning more about it was like, it was kind of problematic because it's like, you know, as white as we can see ourselves, at the end of the day, we're not. You know? Right. And you why, know? and it seems like, where is that hierarchy? Is why is white better, you know? Exactly. Like, why, why is white, you know, like, more acceptable? Yeah, exactly. You they, know, they just, they, they immigrants the same as us, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, even the Eurocentric beauty standard for women. Yeah. You know, you, I mean, I think in other countries, it's the whole colorism thing. Like, the lighter you are the more, it gives you more status in general. Yeah. You know, so that kind of stuff, that, that really interested me. You know, it's not math or science related, but it made me think. 
made me really think like, oh, well, why is it like this or why is it like that? Yeah. Oh, now I see why certain situations are the way they are. Yeah. You know, and, I, and also Asian American studies too just also gave me a perspective on, you know, um, perspective of life or history of how African Americans are treated, yeah. how uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx are treated, you know, um, and just like Middle Eastern are treated. So it just gave you this like intersectional view, you know. So that, that's what, why I got into it and I'm so glad because taking those classes, I went from getting D's, F's and C's to getting all A's. I got nice. like one B, a B minus ever. Ever since that I got to volunteering, I became more active and social and like, you know, just making a big, making a difference, even if it's just one person. Kind it of spoke thing. to you. That, yeah, the, those spoke stuff. to me. And I think what's important is that they talk about in Buddhism, Sangha, right? The community, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a, I think that's how you pronounce it, but like, yeah, com like, if you have a really cool professors, like shout out to uh, Professor Alan Aquino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, uh, yeah. I, I sat in on a couple of AAS classes, uh, 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 Professor Aquino's class. Um, I also took like a, a contemporary Asian American studies and I, I gotta say about like the Asian American studies department dude they're so like close-knit and mm -hmm. dope I mean I, I think my department like the filmmaker is pretty cool like yeah, we're definitely. good oh, definitely yeah. yeah everyone has their clicks but like like real talk like you know I had a professor um, you know a white Jewish guy and uh, I, I made a comment in class about you know a person like uh, their teeth so it was like a Basically, I made a comment in class, and he said it was a critique, constructive criticism. I wasn't like trying to neg uh, be negative or anything. And he's like, "Oh, do you think that because you're Asian?" And I was like, well, "He's trying to be funny, right?" Mm -hmm. And um, okay, like this. Sorry, this is like a rabbit That's hole, okay. but yeah. real quick. But like, um, what political correctness, right? It right. depends on context, depends on the the situation. The thing is, he's a professor, right. all right, and and he's you know and he thought that we were close enough like i was cool with him before yeah. that and we're still all right but like ever since that i'm kind of like wary around him because mm -hmm. i was just like what and it was, it was dope because one of my classmates she's pretty woke she's like dude that's pretty racist why yeah. like, what does that have to do with anything and yeah. why is that even a joke you know yeah. why is that funny you know so yeah. um so there is a i think there's something about being asian in america that's very like you get where I'm coming from. Yeah. Fucking like the date, dating scene. Yeah. You get where I'm coming from as a straight Asian male. Fuck. Like, yeah. It's kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why are they, all these, you know, all like, <laughs> why are all these white guys getting like Asian chicks and what, yeah. or and, and other chicks? And I'm like, and I'm, and there's like, you know, anyways, yeah. not not to get you know too deep into that, but uh, it's based on studies like Asian American men have it a little bit harder out there but you know there's guys like a lot of my homies you know they, they're married and they, mm -hmm. they got you know dance Dan Dan yeah shout out to Dan um, okay uh, it's starting to take over for that section Sorry. but like do you have any questions for us real quick and Vaughn does have questions for us uh, check out the rest of this episode on uh, Vaughn Eisen Yin and Young podcast part two uh, coming right after this one, uh, you, on your iTunes or on YouTube or where, however you're watch, you're listening or watching this. All right.